There's a universe inside each of us. The Universe Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garten, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all, our lives. Welcome to the One Within All to another episode of Interverse. I'm your host, Chance, and this recording is coming to you from the 22nd of May, which feels like quite an appropriate date for the conversation we're about to begin because 22 is the number of the master builder. And like all symbols, it has dual significance, representing the potential of imagination to create bodies of light through high art, while also signifying occult constructs of enslavement that manipulate humanity by co-opting the shadows and the collective unconscious. It seems like our culture has been deviously designed to divide us from nature, degrade our connection to deep wisdom, and deprive us of our destiny as individual representatives of the universal source into demonic ideological dogmatists. But despite the despicable fear programming of media and totalitarian tiptoe of governments, we will always have the keys to enlightenment within, and we can never truly give away our personal responsibility for thoughts and actions. It's my sincere hope that most of you out there have been engaging your own master builder by sublimating the shadow through dedicated service to your own inner creator, training your artistic penchants, and gaining the symbolic literacy required to attain psychic immunity to the soul-shattering attack of the pandemic panic and other nefarious schemes, because we need you out there, embodying that universal goodness and acting as a lighthouse for the sailors on those dark and stormy conspiracies. Lucky for us, we have a tested and trusty speaker of secrets and awesome teacher of ancient mystery with us today to help us call on all of our power from beyond the veil and combat the harmonic assault that has gone all too far beyond the pale. Her name is Corinne Wilson, aka the occult priestess herself, a goddess of all trades with a finger in every slice of the magical pie. Corinne has been a professional psychic for almost as long as I've been alive. And in that time, she's practiced an amazing variety of healing arts, divinatory traditions, and psychopomp spellcraft. It would take too long to list all the alternative ideas Corinne has employed through her walk between the worlds and her current human incarnation. But it should suffice to say that we've got a real-life Wonder Woman with us this time around, and I'm extremely excited to see where this conversation is going to lead us. You can find Corinne online at her website, occultpriestess.com, and on YouTube through her channel of the same name, and I'm sure she'd encourage you to get in touch if you're interested in her spiritual services and excellent offerings. So check the show notes for links to her digital homes. And also don't forget that if you want to hear the second hour of this interview, you can become an Interverse Plus member at patreon.com slash interverse to get access to the extended episode and the ever-growing archive of extra long shows. All it takes is a very reasonable donation of $5 per month. A big thank you to all the wonderful witches and wizards out there for tuning in today. And remember, if you've been guided to this information, it means you're more than ready to elevate your understanding, shift your perspective, and heal your worldview. Connect to your highest self-expression and ignite your imagination by undertaking the self-initiation path into the great mystery at the still and silent core of all things. So now it's about time to get this party started with the honorary headmistress of Hogwarts, Persephonic protector and free will selector known as the occult priestess, Corinne Wilson. Thanks for being here, Corinne, and welcome to Interverse. Dynamite! I'm excited to be here on the Interverse, on the inside looking out, baby, because inward 
is where we should all be right now. I think that's why we all got locked in our homes. Go within, go within, go within. So there's my chance. How are you today, chance? <laughs> I'm good. I agree. I think the sky clock reads that it's about time for some serious introspective perspectives. Absolutely. And we're lucky. It may seem like being locked up in our homes is a punishment for not stopping the totalitarian uh, expansion that's been going on day by day, year by year. But in a way, it's also one of the best opportunities we've ever had to find new skills to practice, improve our health, or at the very least, just chill a second. <laughs> For sure. I noticed years ago that when there was a big snowstorm, people had to stay in their houses that there was a quiet that came over the land, basically, and everybody did go within, and it was nature, it was natural. This was forced, as you could say, you know, you could point that out, that this was a forced going within, and not everybody took the advantage to do that, of course. But I said on an interview a few months before the whole CV 1984 started, that if everyone would just lock themselves in their basement for a week, they might find enlightenment. <laughs> So it seemed to me that God might have taken my advice a little too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> yeah, but I the the there is the totalitarian tiptoe, as you say, and the deep dark conspiracies of the evil of this world. But there's also your soul, and given a chance, a vacation, right, from this drudgery of life, this routine to break that routine. And not only you, everyone you know broke their routine. Now to me as a Buddhist, I think that's huge. I think that's amazing. And I think it has a lot of implications that we won't see the end of for many years to come. I'm actually one of the very few unlucky people that basically hasn't had my routine broken at all other than that I can't go to the gym anymore. <laughs> the place I work is considered essential. so. I've just been plugging away at all the different paths that I've been on all this time while watching friends and family get more and more panicked. And then some of them start to actually open their eyes and realize, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's some bullshit going on here. But very few have gone full red pill through this experience that I know personally. And at the end of the day, one of the various scapegoats that has been presented by the media is where a lot of people I know are turning, whether blaming everything on Swamp Thing, I, that's my name for Trump, <laughs> or blaming everything on China or whatever. The very last- Scapegoating the world instead yeah. of looking at themselves, of course. Yeah, the last thing that people want to believe is that the actual you know, government itself is not only complicit with the, uh, the situation, but working in concert with other governments who are basically full of dark occultists that- have had plans like this for a very long time and are coming out in a very overt way right now. Like I saw this meme uh, yesterday. It was a picture of <laughs> Melinda Gates, the the uh, wife of Bill Gates, the arch globalist who now on this picture, she's wearing an upside down cross, you know, classic satanic symbol. And uh, they just list patent 60606, which is the Microsoft patent to basically uh, do cryptocurrency and, and biometric monitoring on all people through implants. And then the uh, House 
Resolution 6666, which is this crazy contact tracing bill that's gone through where I guess the plan is that the government is going to have ways to check and force testing on people for this so-called virus and uh, enforce people to stay in their homes. (laughs) And then the fact that the enzyme used in the Bill Gates quantum dot vaccine delivery system that they claim to be about to unroll or unveil is called luciferase. (laughs) There's, there's more to it than that, but like there's never been more obvious signs that what's going on at the top of the power food chain is very, very occult. Well, occult means hidden and that is the opposite of this. Yeah, good point. Good point. I've, I should say uh, sorceress more than a cult. Yeah, it's black magic or death magic. And that's the thing. See, I'm a, I'm a pagan, so there are no dirty numbers to me. And my what I was taught in numerology, number six, is Venus, right? Who is actually Aphrodite because Venus is Roman. She doesn't really exist. Aphrodite does. And then they changed her name for the Romans, right? So I do believe the gods are real, by the way. (laughs) I don't believe they're just archetypal meanderings of the imagination. I believe that they came before us and after us, there is no such thing as time. And that's just a big ball of wax right there. But understand that they may be, uh, Bill Gates, Melinda Gates, everybody, targeting Christians because they're using Christian mythology. You understand? Absolutely. It's like... uh... You, you get them all set up with the belief in this stuff like Book of Revelations and the Mark of the Beast, and then you knock the pins down with all this scary symbolism that you put all over the media. What do you think about that? I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you there that there's no inherent evil to any one number and that we shouldn't be freaked out by 666. But when certain individuals and organizations are plastering all that stuff all over their media, it's like, I don't know. Do you think it's the type of like revelation of the method uh, concept? No, I think that's a little bit too college for them. <laughs> it's an intimidation tactic, obviously. But I do believe that they do some kind of dark magic that does call forth darkness in a pure form. It's almost like they alchemize darkness and and make it grow with their negativity. So you could call it tulpas, thought forms, but these things over generations get very strong in the astral. So you could say that this is the long game, as we know, for generations, this has been planned. So we understand that the major cabal, if you will, is basing their media campaign upon the Bible. And so targeting Christians like this is is not the whole world. You're not targeting the whole world. People that worship Shiva aren't going to be scared of this. You understand? Only the Christians. So I also see that Donald Trump has the Christians, a lot of them, in his pocket, basically. Like, that's his team. And that's his media. He's talking to Christians. So to me, it's like politics is turning into spiritual, well, not spiritual, but totally religion. And science is also turned into a religion, scientism. 
So what we're dealing with here now is the big false religion or the big lies. And I did predict at the beginning of 2020 that this would be the year of judgment. Judgment is number 20 in the tarot cards. And I really feel like it's a lot about your own judgment. Who are you? What are you? Know thyself. But also, what is this world? What are we living in? And these are the questions that people must be asking themselves. If you're not asking yourself this right now, you are willfully ignorant. And the willfully ignorant cannot be helped. And many of us lightworkers, people who just love humanity, will make great strides and efforts to awaken people who do not want to wake up. So I tell you to pull back. You're not going to be able to help them, but you can help yourself. And once you're okay, then you can reach out to others who actually want help. But those who are willfully ignorant are basically agents in the matrix and they will get you. Absolutely. The desire to go outward and try to fix other people before all the stuff that we know needs to change about our own selves. That's a really strong pull. But just like you said, that homeless person's going to turn into Agent Smith as soon as you turn your back and put a bullet in you. <laughs> That's a real thing. And also a lot of people, especially like what you're talking about with the, how po- politics has been made a religion and the the political extreme right has the the Christians in their pocket, so to speak. It, what I see happening, maybe possibly with the, with all the like dark cr- Christian based symbolism coming through, like the Bill Gates thing I just talked about is to scare people who are in the Christian camp away from looking into the occult at all. That it's been a tactic for ages to just be like occult equals evil, occult equals evil. That's what I was going to say. The same old tricks. Yeah. And then right now there's so much information available because of the internet that you could really educate yourself, initiate yourself and elevate yourself. But if you're afraid of anything that has even the slightest magical tinge to it, because you've been programmed with all this, then you're, you're not going to go there. That's so true. Well, I'd like to go back to when I was younger and more like a teenager. I understood very deeply in my heart that my spirituality was a calling. And now spirituality is trendy. So in the Buddhist tradition, in the Hindu tradition, we separate the the higher spiritual people that are going to dedicate their entire lives to spirituality versus householders is what we call them. People that are going to have families, work jobs, try to have a small human life, right? Where they're growing their soul. There are the other category of spiritual masters. They came in this way, of course, but they have to learn just like everybody else. But once they get to that graduation point, they become teachers and they're not householders. They're completely like a different breed of spiritual person. And I would say you are called to this, but now that it's become politicized, everyone is a yogi. Everyone is a master teacher and especially young people who are being paid by corporations to go out there and muddy the waters, especially on YouTube. And I've seen just a lot of beginners, people who don't know what they're doing. Oh, I started this two years ago and they think they're experts. And it's like, you're not called, maybe you're called to get on camera and try to get a thing going, like your thing, whatever uh, marketing tool you're going to be using and what, but that's not you. 
as a person, it's a character that you're playing. So I do get really mad at (laughs) the false teachers out there is what I would call them, but you might just call them shells or people who are, are working for bigger corporations and they don't say it. And that's what a shell is. So it's quite disturbing to be in this pool with these householders who have no calling, but they're the ones being paid attention to. I'd like to point out Jordan Peterson, who everyone was crazy about for a while. I, I got personal emails. You need to listen to Jordan Peterson. He's the guy. And then I find out he's a drug addict. And here he is informing people and very much like Russell Brand. And it really makes me livid. Yeah, I saw your video where, where uh, Russell Bland, Brand, I almost said Russell Bland. There's a Freudian slip. <laughs> but, Bland. Uh, he branded for life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I saw that video, though, where he, he basically like spewed his own shadow pers- perspective or per- projection of himself onto you. It was really bizarre. And yeah, there's a uh, I. I didn't know that about Jordan Peterson, but I've always had just an innate aversion to that guy, although dozens of people have told me I need to check him out. I never really bothered looking into him to find out why I didn't vibe with him or jive with him. I just, you know, you just know these things whenever you're following how stuff makes you uh, feel instead of what other people tell you you should feel. Yeah, I do that a lot. Read people in a second, even if they're just, you know, a video. But that's one of the reasons why I came out to LA was a few years ago, I moved to Los Angeles from Ohio. I came out to meet the people. I came out to be in Shangri-La, right? The place, the Mecca, the place everybody was. And I met the authors. I wanted to meet every one of them, every single one of them. And I got the pattern. I could see the pattern between all of them and what their lives were like and how they were so similar. And I'm like, man, it, it really looks like they're all being paid from the same source. Yeah, I think that that's very true. I mean, to to my understanding and research, a lot of what's popular and been popularized in the New Age movement, things don't go viral on accident, especially less and less these days. Uh, the There is money behind certain individuals that is not quite so obvious, but there's a reason why some things blow up, if you will, and that... Uh, a lot of times someone may actually have 80, 90% good things to say and just slip in that 10% of uh, BS into the sandwich. And that can cause you all kinds of problems. Like Jordan Peterson, for example, I know he is uh, famous for telling people before they go out and try to fix the world, they should clean that, make sure that they've cleaned their own room. Well, that's uh-huh. good advice, but what else does he have to say? Not, not all of it is, I mean, you can't just take a person as dogma. No, dude, he didn't clean his room. If you, No way. If you aren't cleaning your room, you're not allowed to tell others to clean their room. Exactly. I mean, is that mom of me or what? But <laughs> it's in my heart. I understand that this man was going out and, and wagging his finger at people and then going home and shooting up. That's hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that, but it you can kind of see it in some people's eyes, really. Well, honestly, if they're famous, you better look at them sideways a lot. Period. 
even if it's a viral video, look at it sideways because it is true. There is money behind all of these things. I learned that recently through, like for a fact, through I play The Sims 4 and they have a new game pack out. And there were hundreds of thousands of tweets about this game pack called Eco Lifestyle or something. It's it's terrible. They're going to feed bugs to my Sims. They have to eat bugs. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's um, predictive programming. Dystopian. It's totally dystopian. Eco living. It's Agenda 21, basically. So I was following this thread for a week or so. And then they put out uh, just a video, just a gameplay video, the first one. And it was trending and it didn't have that many tweets. And I'm like, there's no way this is actually an organic trend because they have had a lot more tweets on previous stuff, you know, recently. So I knew it's bought and paid for. And also, if you follow me on Twitter, at Occult Priestess, you can see these little things day by day that I point out because it's my place to point things out. <laughs> that, that sounds fun to catch it in the act, if you will. And I'm sure Twitter hasn't had organic trending since its inception, especially not lately. And uh, the same goes for all the other big channels. I mean, uh, I get a fraction of the views on my YouTube channel for the amount of subscribers that I have, how that should work. There's, it's obvious that some things are concealed and other things are exalted by the system that wants you to take in only certain perspectives or ideas. Like you said, the <laughs> eco living is very agenda 21. I think this coronavirus situation is super agenda 21. It's the, Oh yeah. They're using the the fear of a the red herring virus as a, yeah, as a red herring to do exactly what they'd been trying to do with scaring people with climate change alarmism before that. And it wasn't going fast enough. Yeah. So falsely elevated people are most of the people that you can go out to the bookstore and buy their book. For some reason, they got on there. But for the most part, I, I read books from before 1990 because it seems like the narrative in the New Age community, the UFO and disclosures community has become one big story. And if you are not talking about what they are talking about, if you're not following along their storyline, then they don't want to hear from you. And even if you're an idiot, but you know how to repeat things, they want to hear from you. So it's Project Mockingbird all over spirituality. Yeah, that's a good point too. Not everyone's an agent. Some people are just useful repeaters. Yes. Like I'd like to bring up Jordan Sather, who I've met in person a couple of times. That was the first person I thought of whenever you were talking about people with channels. <laughs> Hilarious because he's a perfect example, isn't he? He's like the poster boy for falsely elevated. He worked at a Whole Foods or something. He worked in an organic store and then all of a sudden he's a health expert and he's giving really weird advice, which is actually not just him. He, there's other people that came from that same area in Texas where he came from. And that would also be Corey Good, which was kind of his mentor for a minute. And Corey Good gave the whole UFO disclosure community a story about blue avian birds. We call them blue chickens. But I mean, that was like a whole row that we went through as a community for two years figuring out, you know, there's a lot of shills here and some people just left completely disenchanted. I'd love to get more of your take on what kind of ideological subversion has been going on with the, the UFO community and 
this secret space program narrative because I I got instant red flags from the Corey Good David Wilcox stuff. I mean, I barely even looked at what they were saying because it was so blatantly ridiculous. I agree. And that's one of the problems I think that I feel I've had myself is like, well, I know that's fake. So why would I look at it? But everyone else is looking at it. So you have no point of reference when you're talking to brainwashed sheeple because you don't know what they're reading and watching. Right. So like I would ask people, what's your spirituality? And they're like, well, I read this book and I like this author. Like, no, what's your spirituality? (laughs) So do you think that with like the whole secret space program deal, I might, I'll tell you my kind of take on it, which is just another, I think it's just another version of the, uh, the savior motif and the scary other motif. You have the good aliens that are trying to save us. That's the, the uh, Jesus thing. And then you have the evil aliens that are trying to enslave us and dominate us. And that's the same type of idea that's been. That's more Gnostic. yeah, that's true. It is kind of Gnostic, but at the end of the day, it's all all just like an external thing that you can blame all your problems on instead of realizing that you're co-creating the reality. Well, I've got a I've got a bone to pick with that co-creation of reality, but you want to talk about UFO and disclosure. I go back a few years to Dark Journalist, and you can see him. Uh, he has a lot of. Uh, great thumbnails that I can see in my head right now. Can you see them? Here's the thumbnails. (laughs) But uh, his name is Dark Journalist. Just look up Corey Good or or Blue Avian and you'll find his work because he's the one. Now, believe me, many people were covering the story, but he was the one to kind of break it out and say, what the heck is going on here? And then everybody else seemed to get on board. And so what's going on there? So you're talking about uh, a savior paradigm. And good and bad aliens. Well, the bad aliens were more back in the day, the 70s and stuff. So now the bad aliens have become good. And I'll tell you, I met Sid, who is an executive producer at Gaia TV. And I was like, what do you think about the gray aliens? You know, what's up, Sid? Because he was a big guy. And he said, oh, I love them. I adore them. And he took out his phone and he, sent, he showed me a painting he had uh, paid someone to do, commissioned. And it was him on a table being probed. And the look in this man's eyes when he was showing me this piece of art was worship. He loved these things And then we can go back to Armand and Steiner, which is just another form of Gnosticism, if you ask me. And Gnosticism will take you back to Archons, Armand, Archon, come on. And then you get that original story. It's kind of, it's it's slightly pre-Christian, the Gnostics, before Christ. Because they were doing this before Christ. Christ was predicted by somebody. And that would be the Gnostics. And they believe in the Demiurge. So there's, uh, am I really going to explain their beliefs? I guess so. No, they this believe- is great. I actually, <laughs> I love this because I've, I've been getting into like trying to detoxify the Gnostic ideas out of my own head lately. So um, the audience could probably use this. Oh, good. Let's all cleanse, kids. Eat your apples. They're good for you. <laughs> okay. 
So the Gnostics believe that there is a goddess, Sophia, and that Sophia, this is the way I like to tell it. I'm not going to tell it the way that Connor tells it. He has another show. Um, There was a goddess playing in her room and she was told that she was not allowed to create life. And one day she did. And oops, just like a kid making a mistake, she created life. And that life she named supposedly Jehovah, which is actually a fertility goddess. So that's not possible, but let's just go along with it. She named it Jehovah. And then this thing was known as the abortion. It was something that was never supposed to be, which again is a weirdness because there's nothing is created that isn't meant to be created. So that's loss of faith in God right there, right there at that very moment they have lost faith in God because they believe this thing shouldn't be here. And so there is a way that the Jehovah thing, the abortion, got the breath of of man because it was made by the goddess mother, Sophia. So it had this breath of man, but Sophia tricked this abortion into giving its one breath of life, one breath of life, to an inanimate which became a person. And so through this playing dolls in her room, supposedly this goddess created an abortion that created the human race. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, it's, we're, we're supposed to be the abortion of an abortion, I guess, according to this idea. And then the Jehovah thing lost its breath of life. So it couldn't be immortal and could only live off of us, sucking its life back into itself bit by bit. How disgusting and vampiric is that? It's crazy, too, because the ultimate the ultimate worldview that's proposed by anything that's Gnostic, whether it's claiming to be Gnostic or just something that is uh, infected by this meme, is that nature has fallen, that our bodies are a prison or a cage or in some way degraded or lower and all around, it's just like a completely disharmonious and poisoned worldview. Exactly. And let me tell you that evil has one motivation, kill life. It's that simple. So if you're agreeing with evil, evil thoughts, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, You're agreeing, I mean, bottom line, root cause, kill all life. And so that's why people get so sick and develop all of these issues. I really do believe that. Uh, We do need to cleanse our heart and our mind because we've been lied to and brainwashed and tricked our whole lives. And that's the innocence that we should get in touch with because The innocence will save you. The innocence will bring you back. Be like a child to get into heaven. If you can just get that ego knocked down a peg or two and be humble and say, okay, I'm going to try to have faith for one day, for one hour, for one moment. This is how alcoholics do it. This is how anybody in recovery does it. One day, one, one moment. So it really is catching yourself because you're running crazy. Your head's spinning. You have to catch yourself and stop. And that stopping, which Buddhism helps a lot with, within that stopping, you are saying no more. I'm not going to agree to the overall evil story. I'm just going to stop. And and do you see how that, that in and of itself, that very moment is making a choice? 
And that's really what life is, is free will. That's the other side of the coin of evil, that it is the restrictor of free will or the preventer. of. Well, actually, it tricks people into thinking they don't have free will. It can never actually stop free will. But that's sort of the, the game. Well, you can be bullied. You can be forcibly put in the hospital or shot. You know, all of these things can happen. So what we have Western thinking in a Western mind, and it is very black and white. What I'm saying is we need to stop the black and white and get in the middle, into the self, into the heart, into that quiet, quiet space where God lives and start from there. That's cool. That's very in line with one of the things that we were talking about in the previous episode, uh, the work of Walter Russell and how uh, mind, God, nature, source, they're all synonymous for the equilibrium point between the two sides of the teeter-totter of polarity. And we should be walking the line. That's the line. That's the golden rule. It's the middle, the middle path, Buddhism 101. <laughs> You know, one thing you brought up earlier that I'm interested in is your take on gods and goddesses. My personal view on it is not exactly concrete or definite, but I've thought to myself that there could be some level of egregores or thought forms that are generated by collective belief, but then there also might be a pre-existing consciousness that can influence reality on a, a magical level. And there may be some of both going on, maybe some other things too. Okay. All consciousness is preexistent to earth. This is where we get into time. I don't think or learn in time. So that's why it's so difficult to explain things. All right. Let's start with Carl Jung. Carl Jung is the one who coined the term archetype. Everything. Carl Jung understood, came through Hindu and ancient cultural traditions, but mostly Hindu. So we must understand that the Swiss Carl Jung was taking ancient occult knowledge from spiritualities before his time and then explaining them in a more psychological understanding manner. So he wasn't that's the big difference between now and then, between Jung and scientism. Jung was not trying to figure out the brain, a piece of meat, which is what we do today. Jung was trying to figure out the soul psyche. Psyche means soul, and that takes us back to the Greek myth of psyche. So please read about your Greek gods because they're in your head, basically. So he said you have a conscious, a subconscious, and slightly he talked about the superconscious. Your conscious is your waking day life. Your subconscious is where all of your brainwashing goes and where your fears are and where the boogeyman lives. And when you got hit when you were five years old, that memory is there all the trauma-based mind control you've ever been through is in the subconscious. And as an early, you know, I became an occultist as a teenager. And so I was still developing my mind and I was able to crawl into those places of when I was a child and bring them out quite easily to heal them. I was physically abused as a child, uh, like beat up, 
and I had sleep paralysis for 19 years constantly, basically, which is like a, a demonic haunting due to my bloodline and who I am as a light being because they, they attack the saints mostly. And so I understood that there was an evil force in this world and that my family had fallen sick with it and that I had fallen sick with it as well. Alcoholism will also show you this. If you have alcoholics in your family, you will see how it changed everyone's behavior in the family, not just the alcoholic. So we're talking about sick families that we grow up in. And then if we're still going to be sewn up into that family bond as an adult, then you're going to continue on with your childhood reactions. You're never going to heal yourself. I think people need to take some kind of vacation from their families, not live with them their whole lives and find out who they are as an individual, because we were not born to become a cog in a wheel. Like my father was a farmer. I'm a farmer. My kid's going to be a farmer. That's not what we were born for. We all have sacred, in my opinion, we all have sacred missions that we should do. And when you're stuck in a cult like that, you know, some repeating cycle of souls that aren't growing, you must extricate yourself to find some healing within that middle path. And so the conscious, subconscious, superconscious, I see how all of this, it's so layered, it's so oniony. That subconscious is what needs to be healed in order, because you're going to, when you get to the subconscious, if you're like knocking on the door, like I'm awake, I'm meditating, I'm knocking on the door, the subconscious, hello, you're going to get the guardian at the gate. You're going to get the biggest, oogiest, spookiest monster that your imagination can create. It's going to intimidate you away from your subconscious and from healing, just like the elites in our world are scaring everyone away from the arcane secrets. You see, there's all, Joseph Campbell spoke at the, about this at length. There is always a guardian at the gate. And what I learned, because my guardians were horrifying demons, okay, really bad Freddy Krueger type stuff. <laughs> and eventually, I had to embrace them, literally. And so, if you're going to go through your life scared of the boogeyman, you're never going to live until you confront that boogeyman. And then it gets worse, my love. It gets so much worse. Then you're back in your childhood. You're back to being abused. You can feel it all, see it all, hear it all. You're not experiencing it again, but you are there as an adult going through like the little shop of horrors of your past. And that's where a counselor like me can come in and really help you to navigate these waters and give you tools to heal yourself and so that you can get back in that middle path and be a conscious divine human who knows you're divine and know that you have a path and it gives you hope and it gives you like something to aim for in life. But if your subconscious is still haunted, then you're, gonna ha you're not going to get to the superconscious. You know, not until you face those demons, not until you love that stuff until it heals. Then you get to the super conscious, which is Christ consciousness, Krishna consciousness. It's, it's amazing because I've been there several times and I keep going back. I'm an astral astronaut, but I also, Kundalini makes me have visions during 
waking hours. I dream while I'm awake and I can get bliss while I'm awake and hear my spirit guides. I see the gods, you know, they talk to me and I have a very deep relationship with them more than I do with people. Uh, And I think that's maybe the way it should be personally. (laughs) Going past the the guardian of the threshold that you're talking about, that's like a construct that we create to shield us from the stuff that we've decided we're not ready to face or integrate. Is that kind of how you would look at it? Psychologically, you would look at it that way. You know, that's sound psychologically, but beyond psychology, understand psyche is your soul. So if you can't get into one of the rooms in your mansion, then you're sick. That makes sense. There's, that's, a, that's a bad situation. Anything could be in there. <laughs> it's the realm of the dead, actually. Our subconscious is completely hooked up to the realm of the dead. Interesting. It kind of makes sense on a, a yin and yang level, too. Why, while you were talking about that, I have, I was fingering this black tourmaline that I've had for years. I've hold, I was holding it. I just often do. And I'm uh, holding a rose quartz, by the way. <laughs> well, I've had this thing since about 2014 and it just fell in half in my hands <gasps> while you were oh talking. Oh my goodness. Hermes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you make of that? I mean, I, I have some thoughts, but. I had to say Hermes, like I literally had to say his name, the God Hermes. He's my spirit guide um, that I'd have to blame it on him. <laughs> but what do you think? It's yours. <laughs> I, I mean, think, that's a protective stone, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, it's a, I've used it specifically for like grounding and uh, transmuting my own vibe from high strung to stillness. <laughs> but the, uh, the moment it broke, you're talking about having to get away from our families in order to mm. start to heal because their sickness, we take it on, even if we think that we're beyond that or immune to that. Very interesting. Take a big note of that. Put that in your diary, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're bless not your the- stone. I want to bless it. I want to heal it. Bless your <laughs> stone. Now you have two. You can give one away. <laughs> Yeah, this one will fit in my pocket a little better now because <laughs> it was kind of bulky before. But well, it's intense when stones break. I mean, you're going to remember that for months and months. It's intense. It is. It's like a super important stone to me, too. I've told the story of how I got this particular stone on the show before. It was when I first started getting into exploring energy work and things like that. And I had no idea about grounding. And I was walking around waving a selenite crystal at people taking on their vibes as much as I was uh, doing any kind of clearing or cleansing. And someone, I I never got their name, never met them again. This woman pulled me aside and she's like, what are you doing with that thing? Pointing at my selenite crystal. And to cut the long story short, she basically gave me the stone, spoke an incantation or prayer to connect me back to Gaia and help me transmute the energies I was carrying. Physically healed problems in my body that were becoming chronic that I had no idea what they were or why they were arising, but it had begun at the onset of me attempting uh, energy healing work. And I've carried this stone around on a regular basis ever since then for years. It was like the stone that to me represents when I learned how to ground and uh, as a reminder that I should do it regularly. So wild that it broke. I'm still a little, a little, uh, 
bewildered by it. It's disorienting and understand that you just came to a graduation point right there's physical evidence. You just had an experience and you hit a graduation point. And as you, you know, meditate on it or think about it, the whole story is going to come to you and it'll all make sense. That's amazing. But to, I guess, go back to talking about the gods a little bit. I know that you have a close relationship with Hermes, which is a very, very interesting character for sure. Definitely represents that that balancing, if you will. Yeah. Talk about how, how spirit guides work for you. You know, you say that you can kind of see them. I've, I've experienced what I think would be considered like the Krishna consciousness elevated state before at, at uh, different points in my path sporadically, it just comes on and it's yeah, sometimes you can't control that. No, it, actually it likes to happen at times where you really wish you could control it. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's hard to talk about these things, but, um, you know, is there, are there ways that you actually use like techniques to, to make that contact or is it just spontaneous and is an outgrowth of you being on the path you should be on? Well, actually this has never happened during an interview before, but I am getting a spirit guide for you. I see a native American woman and she is beating a drum just above your head. It's all deer skin and, and very natural looking. Do you ha- ask him, does he have any Native American in his bloodline? I, d- I don't know. He looks pretty white to me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a, you're not the first psychic to see her. That's actually. Oh. What- <laughs> and I'm not That's kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. She, she loves she- you. I mean, to show up this way, she really does love you. She is one of my, I don't know if she's a, like a triple great or a double great grandmother. I think a triple great grandmother, uh, Cherokee. And she was. Me too. <laughs> I noticed that when I was looking into your stuff. So we have <laughs> no some connection there. No wonder I can there. see her. Okay, that makes total <laughs> sense. Go ahead. But well, she was a medicine woman that yes. uh, she lost her confidence to practice because she was kind of villainized, demonized by religious people that would then turn around and ask her for help with their sick child mm-hmm. whenever they were desperate, but. She kind of put down her tools and she had no one to pass them to her, her skills or tools, her lineage sort of ended in a way. And, uh, I've intuited and also been told by psychics that I'm yeah. like the, I'm the one that's inheriting. She stuff. chose you. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Well, you chose each other to be specific, but yes, that drumming is very important to you. Um, you really need to just get one if you don't have one, a deer skin drum and, and do what she's doing. You know, we always, it, it's a pantomime. You want to pantomime what she's doing. So she's just beating on the drum. And she does say that there is, for some reason, I mean, I don't even think this is Cherokee, but she is talking about the white buffalo woman. So maybe, you know, psychically, archetypically, and honestly, to be truthful, alchemically, part of her soul has the light in it of the buffalo woman. That's that is a really interesting story too. Uh, do you want to share to the audience who the White Buffalo Woman is? I'm familiar with it, but it seems appropriate. Actually, she's bringing it up. I know I've read it before. I believe that it's like um, if the White Buffalo is a sign of things of change, like this is when the world changes completely, kind of thing. But there are many Native American prophecies that you can look at today. And I think that's what she's here to do. She is shilling for the Native Americans right now. (laughs) 
And she really would like you to get more into that yourself because you have a natural proclivity. Like I said, we are called, mister. And we look at what is calling us, right? And so this, this Indian woman has called you and, you know, apparently you know all about it already. I'm just telling you what you already know. But to work with her as a spirit guide is something I could educate you about. Yeah, very cool. I'd love any, I mean, this would apply to the audience too. Advice for other than, you know, pantomiming and getting a, a deerskin drum, which sounds like something I should do. And, and the mallet is also covered in a skin too, by the way. It's like, you have to have the, that sound that she wants you to have. So you have to have the deerskin and the mallet covered. Okay. And yeah. And what happens next will unfold. Well, then she on will communicate with you. So you sit down with your drum, right? Smoke a little weed if you want, and <laughs> just zone out like, like an Indian man, <laughs> like Jim Morrison would. But you know, don't you don't have to do any harsh psychedelics or anything. You don't have to take it that far. You can have some nice herbal tea. And then she will be with you, man. And that's the part where people can get stuck because they're alone. Like, okay, I got this drum. I got this and I'm doing this thing. And I see the woman, but I don't believe it. So it's like, you stop the game right there. You like put up the chessboard and you put it away. And you're like, I'm not playing anymore because that thing's invisible. <laughs> yeah, that, this is all very intense for me right now, actually. Because <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting all this in, in my um, intuition communication that like, hey, I've been calling you for months and you haven't picked up the phone at all. <laughs> and let her speak. Yeah, I do. I, I, now, I, let her speak now. <laughs> go ahead. Tell me what, that's what you're doing. You're telling me what's going on in your mind. Let it go. Let's, let's hear it. Well, I, I've just kept myself so busy with everything I can imagine it, uh, except for doing exactly what you're talking about, zoning out, letting, letting something speak inside me and through me and listening. I mean, my, like my meditation practice has been crap for a while now. And, uh, I think what's coming through is that I, I am taking on sickness from a lot of people around me without transmuting it or healing it in myself. And definitely it's high time. This is so definitely a white Buffalo moment for me. Some changes are coming, whether or not I, I would want them. You always want change, sweetheart. Yeah. You do. You might be afraid of what it means, but that's okay because you haven't lived it yet. Fear is natural when you're in the unknown. Well, this is not so much a podcast, but like a personal <laughs> session for me. It's amazing. It's for all of us. And she wants to be, I think she wants to be on the air. I think she wants to do more of your work with you. And through me, I suppose. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just taking the drum into what we call circle. I'm so sorry. Take your drum into circle. I'm talking like a complete witch now because that's where I'm at in consciousness. And I try to muggle myself down for people, but it's, it's very difficult when I do that. <laughs> muggle myself down. <laughs> yeah, no, no self-muggling needed here. <laughs> Go all the way. I mean, so, Vol Voldemort's not going to muggle himself down just because we are. Exactly. Thank you. I wouldn't be just as big and good as the monster is big and bad. You know, speaking of the monster, I know you've probably talked about this a lot, but in case there is anyone out there that's had sleep paralysis, or is there anything you want to say about what to what someone can do to uh, to deal with that type of thing, either in the moment or or outside of the the bedroom? 
Yeah, but that actually to really deal with sleep paralysis, you need to work with an expert. I, I had sleep paralysis more than most people on the planet. And that's why I got into the movie and everything. I talked to, emailed back and forth with a man who wrote the book, Terror That Comes in the Night. And this was an older book, one of the first books on sleep paralysis. And I got a hold of him at his college through email. And I was like, this is how often I had it. This is what happened to me. And he's like, I've never heard a case like yours, not once. And then I heard from dark uh, magicians who I knew when I was younger because they were in the neighborhood, not because I was a dark magician, okay? Because that's all I had to pick from. That's all there was, were Crowleyites. And they seemed to hint, because they won't tell you anything straight out, that I was attacked because I was so bright. That's why they jumped on me. And it was so horrible because of how good I am. So it's that whole trickster, double speak kind of thing, because everyone thought I was evil. You know, when you're actually good, it's, it's witchcraft. It's de- demonizing people to keep them down. You know, the man keep you down. So it's that way spiritually too. The, the, the ghosts keep me down. I've had to deal with ghosts and dead people and demons. I mean, yeah, I have to deal with muggles. I have to deal with real people, but they're nothing compared to, you know, the invisible dark ones who can jump into bo- bodies and, get me even. So it's not even non-physical. They can jump into bodies and take over people who are not sovereign and use those people to hurt me. And yeah, that can sound kind of paranoid, but I'm saying these people don't stay in my life. It's usually a momentary lapse where somebody, a stranger even can hurt me, but I can tell they're being possessed and it's just momentary. Wow. I've actually, I've had that happen to me, man. I've been out at like large public events or gatherings and a complete stranger with a crazy look in their eye will just come up to me and say something that is like personal and wounding to me that there's no way they could have known to say at all. And then they're just like, poof, poof, vanish like a puff of smoke, leaving me wondering what the hell was that? But I've come to realize it's exactly what you're talking about. Invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. So that that's that person is usually not the best person. Like my mother. Usually drunk or something. Yeah. I was on the phone with my mom. It was a decent person, you know, good heart. But she, her voice changed into some kind of really mechanical weirdness and she was not her. So it's really weird. Like who could be jumped into? You can't necessarily judge that they're a bad person, but if they let that thing in, then they're not a pure person. That's for sure. My mother was not pure. I think that means that for the most part, these type of entities are able to use most people as an elevator to ride to whatever level they want whenever. That is really weird that you say elevator because I've been to Hades, the Christian hell. I've been to the Christian hell and I saw demons riding elevators and I had to watch Jailhouse Rock because it looked like that, the Elvis video. I was like, wow, that's really weird because we use stairways where I'm at. (laughs) So it's strange that she said elevator and, you know, the whole Prince thing. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, Prince died in elevators. Let's go crazy. It oh. is, you know, the elevator lyric. Yeah. I just heard that the other day that he died in an elevator. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was a big part of the story, but it was also purple day due to the Queens something or other. They had a purple day and we all thought, well, that's, 
that was the sacrifice. Prince was the sacrifice for the queen. And then they had purple day. Like they made the Niagara falls and all other kinds of things. Purple for the queen. Right. For the, <laughs> the, the one queen. queen of England, like there's only one queen in this world, but the queen of England is what I mean. That German lady. <laughs> Still around and kicking. Well, they say that she's going into hiding, but let's not talk about the royal scum of the earth, please. <laughs> sure, sure. The divine right of kings is a lie. Yeah. So, right. yeah. The divine right is our personal sovereignty. It is. And that's something that has been stolen from people through brainwashing and trauma-based mind control, which I would tell people, please watch freemantv.com, freemantv.com. He is the original OG of conspiracy and he has a spirituality in it as well. So he's not going to lead you down the wrong way. He knows what the symbology actually means. Not all like all the shills on YouTube saying Saturn is Satan, totally wrong. Satans were little boogeymen in older religions. So Right there, boom. But, you know, Freeman Fly will give you a lot more information about that. Yeah, that's part of, again, part of the using Christian Gnostic mythology to keep people afraid of looking deeper at certain concepts. And Kronos is not necessarily, I mean, Kronos is maybe a more evil version of the, the character, but Saturn itself as a luminary and as a, maybe one of the gods of the pantheon isn't necessarily evil. They've all got, just like human beings, they've all got dual natures, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Saturn in the mythology ate his children, but don't you think that might be symbolic? Yeah, I mean, elaborate on that, because <laughs> I, I was thinking about that story and wondering what it could mean. Honestly, I don't know astrology well enough to tell you what Saturn eating his children meant, but I'm sure it had to do something to do with processions and what was happening in the sky. But I'm not an expert, so I can't say. I've also heard some people talk about that Saturn may have used to be the, like the sun, the main luminary back a long time ago. Unless they channeled that from a pure source, then I can't believe it. Anything based on science, scientism, astronomy, anything based on the physical world, I, look, I take with a grain of salt. I only live half in this physical world. I'm only half here. Why would I believe it wholly? <laughs> I have so much more I want to say and ask, but we are past time. It's we're over the limit. Uh, we're going to have the buzzer. To, yeah. We're going to have to do this <laughs> again because there's plenty more on the table. There always will be. And uh, it's been super fun. This has definitely been a very interesting and unique experience for me, especially with Heather Feather around. And <laughs> I'd love, love you to remind people where they can find you and also give any closing thoughts, tie up any ideas that you might still be hanging on to. And if you want, you could maybe tell us what Heather Feather also says for the, uh, <laughs> in, in conclusion, if there's anything coming through there. All right. Well, Chance, thank you for giving me the chance to be myself. Thank you for letting me be myself again. I know I'm, I'm weird and different, not like the other girls. And hello, interversers. I hope that you're sharing and giving Chance a chance because he's, 
he's not a shill. I can tell you that. At least I know that. <laughs> so I am occult priestess. You can search me on any of your beautiful search engines because I've been on the internet almost 20 years. So I've got a lot of information and material out there. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I think my prices are extremely reasonable and we can work something out. Otherwise I do barter, I do trade, but you know, it's not that much. So let's not worry about the money. Let's worry about what I can do for you. So find me if you're called to find me. If you're called, I don't want just anybody uh, filing their nails while they're on the phone with me. You will have a notebook. You will be taking notes. I'm a very serious teacher. I'm from a serious lineage. So uh, <laughs> I love you. Thank you for listening to this type of material because it means you're growing towards the sun. Woohoo! Beautiful. Brilliant. All right. Well, Thanks for being here. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you. I've had a lot of fun. I'm glad you're not like the other girls, as you say. <laughs> you're and definitely thanks for calling character. me Wonder Woman. She's my favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. You definitely got that going on. And it's, yeah, it's been awesome. And we'll do this again real soon. Thank you, Chance. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun talking to Corinne, getting to know her, meeting her. I'm sure that we barely scratched the surface. We didn't even talk that much about her personally, but very uh, neato and different person. Like she said, not like the other girls. <laughs> and like I said, she's been doing the psychic thing for like as long as I've been alive. So that's amazing. It takes a lot of dedication to not give up and go join the muggle world, <laughs> as she would put it. So glad that we got to have this conversation with her interesting all around. I want to explore a lot of the different areas that she talked about more with her or with somebody else that's into it. Definitely planning on checking out the sleep paralysis documentary that she was a part of, because that is a really weird phenomenon that some people have a lot of, other people almost never have. And I don't know. My experience with sleep paralysis was Usually it was something that I experienced before having a type of out-of-body experience. I never, I should say, only once did I ever have sleep paralysis where there were beings in the room. That was weird. One time I had sleep paralysis and there were like two people, a man and a woman. I don't really remember what they looked like, but they're just standing over the edge of my bed looking down at me. And the weird part about that was I was seeing it all from away from my body. So, yeah, I don't know. A couple other times I had sleep paralysis, I wound up either pulling myself out of it or just kind of going with the flow and feeling this interesting, like electrical feeling, as in it felt like somebody plugged in a socket of 10,000 volts into the back of my neck and my whole body was like juiced up and then just went with it, went into the feeling and then kind of came out of my body and was floating around the room explored the house from the ceiling perspective. I don't know. Would love to hear if you guys have had similar either sleep paralysis things, positive or negative, or out-of-body experiences that came about before or during sleep. It's just a weird thing, that hypnagogic state where you're kind of in between awake and asleep. Very, very interesting. Been having a lot of powerful dreams lately, too. That's nice. I got an, a cool new labradite pendant that has made those more memorable, more intense. I don't know. <laughs> like there was one where I was in the back of a, a moving vehicle that 
no one was in the driver's seat. And I, have you ever had the kind of dream where you try to do something and the harder you try, the more impossible it is. It's like you can't move or you can't make yourself do the thing. Some people describe having that where they're trying to like fight somebody, trying to punch somebody as hard as they can and they can't punch. Well, for me, I was in the back seat of an SUV in this dream the other night and trying to get into the front seat because we're on the highway and it was on cruise control going 70 miles per hour or whatever, and uh, no one was driving. And luckily the car was going straight, but we were about to bump into somebody. And I was trying to climb up to the front and couldn't do it. Go figure what that means. I don't know. Fear of being out of control. Another common dream I have is being on a roller coaster and not strapped in. (laughs) And it takes off and I'm holding on for dear life. Usually, though, my dreams involve some kind of flying. And they're typically quite fun. I don't know why I'm talking about dreams so much, but just felt I'm just kind of going with the flow, right? Anyway, uh, check out Corinne's website, occultpriestess.com. Get in touch with her for the various types of services that she provides. Make sure you give her a thank you for coming on the show. And uh, also, if you didn't hear the Plus extension, which most of you didn't, because I know most of you aren't Plus members yet, now would be a great time to sign up. You get to hear us talk about the false New Age teachings like the supposed spiritual critical mass that will fix the world. More messages come through from the spirit guide that was in the room. Man, that was the weirdest thing ever. Definitely never had a psychic tell me what my spirit guide looked like. (laughs) Ancestral spirit guide. I'm really grateful for that. It actually was extremely helpful for me to have that type of verification experience. It's not the first verification that that particular ancestor hangs out and is uh, interested in my progress and trying to assist, but always good to know. Definitely came in good timing for me as far as stuff I'm trying to do to improve myself and heal myself. Anyway, other things we talked about were science fiction and the mass manipulation of society into materialistic beliefs about the cosmos. That's a rabbit hole, science fiction, the origins of different popular sci-fi things from throughout this last century to the point we're at now where science fiction is like what most people believe is actually the future, what's going to happen. But, or, you know, science fiction things that end up becoming real things later down the road. Very weird. All, all these popular cultural things do have occult origins or influence that are worth looking into. Occult meaning hidden. I kind of made that mistake and associated occult with negative or evil early in the show. And that's not right. It's definitely just hidden. Other things in the plus extension were talking about psychic viewing of the higher and lower realms and different spiritual entities that reside there. The uh, severe shortcomings of the law of attraction cult. I call it a cult because it kind of operates that way. It's not like a cult with a cult leader and a full type of control system like a normal cult, but it is a cult in terms of it being sort of a religion. And there are various so-called gurus in the law of attraction world that will definitely put people on the wrong path. In my opinion, there's a lot more to it than just thinking hard enough and believing hard enough in terms of manifestation. And like she said, in the plus extension, it kind of tends to shame people to believe that they're a shitty manifester if they don't get the car that they were wanting. All around, spiritual materialism is a real problem. And that came up multiple times in the plus extension and new age stuff that is not great for our psyche that we might need to purge. Like Gnosticism, although Gnosticism isn't new age, it's definitely rampant in the new age. We also talked about our Kundalini awakenings at around age 30, what those were like. 
more thoughts on the new world order, or really it's not that new. It's been around for a while and talked about demons, the ghosts of our past lives and how they might affect us and soul retrieval. And she talked about what real gurus are here to do for humanity and kind of how to tell the difference. Lots more than that in the plus extension, though. That's just a little smattering of the content that we covered all around. Really fun conversation. And if you want to hear the second hour, you know what to do. Patreon.com forward slash innerverse. And it would be great if you signed up. Could definitely use the financial support. The more of you that get on it, the sooner I can be doing this as uh, my main source of income. Not that I'm trying to become rich. I mean, if I was wanting to just make as much money as I can, there's a lot of other stuff I could be doing with my time besides podcasting. It's definitely not a get rich quick scheme. Trust me. But if you like what I do and you do want me to be able to spend more time on it and get better at it and especially improve the type of infrastructure through which I deliver the show, get better equipment, all that kind of thing. It would be great if you signed up. It's only five bucks a month. I'm not asking for much. I mean, you can buy like two cups of coffee, maybe if they're cheap with five bucks, maybe like one beer. You can cut one of those things out. Maybe drop your Gaia subscription or your Netflix subscription <laughs> and get an Interverse subscription. Honestly, there's not as much content on Interverse as there are on those channels, but maybe you can spend the uh, the free time of not watching TV to be making art. That'd be great. There's a lot of things you could do with that. So yeah, help me help you. It's a win-win. I get a little bit of recipro reciprocation. <laughs> That's not a word. You can show me reciprocity though, and uh, I can give you twice as much of a show that you like. It'll be great. Anyway, I'm going to play us out today with a track by Suhan, our good old friend Suhan. Just felt like a little classic rock today, but this is more of a remix mashup type of deal. And uh, thanks for being here. I've got a lot of good stuff coming up, like always. Really excited for the next month or two's worth of interviews that I've got scheduled. And as always, I appreciate you for being you and for especially for being interested in the type of things we talk about on this show because we need more people thinking critically but also spiritually and engaging that imagination to make the world at least their world a better place through through that imagination imagination is a portal you can step through it and become anyone and be anywhere and do anything that you ever could dream of so exercise that and much love to you. I'll talk to you guys soon and I'm out of here. Enjoy the Suhan. <laughs>